The views and opinions of today's broadcast are not necessarily the views and opinions of the TJRS Radio Network. Thank you for being a loyal listener and enjoy the show. Online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Good morning, and welcome to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show, the show where we discuss politics, social issues affecting people of color, and every now and then a little comedy as well. Now here's your host, Jay Ryle. Thank you so much for the wonderful introduction and good morning. Today is July 17th, 2022, and here are the topics that we will discuss on this week's edition of the serious side of the Jay Rao Show. Tonight, Indiana's Republican Attorney General Todd Rokita told CBS News that his office is investigating whether Dr. Caitlin Bernard, a local OBGYN physician, followed state law, which requires her to report that she performed an abortion on a 10-year-old girl who was a victim of rape. The girl traveled from Ohio, where most abortions are illegal, once there is cardiac activity, usually at six weeks. Are you prepared to take the oath? I am. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Katanji Brown Jackson, do solemnly swear. I, Katanji Brown Jackson, do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter. So help me God. So help me God. There each individual action needs to be assessed. Human frailties kicked in. I mean, we, we teach the issue of there's a concept called push versus hold. From the time the officers came in the door, I counted 17 rounds that were fired before the officers were actually uh, fired upon. And so that tells me that they knew exactly where the gunman was. They knew that there was an active shooter situation going on. And the rules of that are very, very clear. We are supposed to go push the issue, push towards the gunman, stop the killing. Tim, with Trump banned from Twitter, we don't have the hourly insight into his psyche that uh, we had when he was president. But if he's calling a witness, he's watching and he's worried, right? Online radio at its best. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Welcome in 347-850-1272. It is the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. Of course, I'm Jay Rouse. I never share this stage by myself. Let me introduce you to my big sis. She's in the house, Miss Vanessa Maybell. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? Good morning, Jay. Good morning, everybody. How are you? I am doing outstanding on a beautiful but hot Sunday here in the uh, great state of Texas. And, 
You know, this is the time of the show where we uh, talk about and take a few minutes of personal privilege to kind of rap and clap about things that will not make the uh, the show's uh, main uh, agenda, I should say. But before I go any further, let me just uh, give you guys some updates. Mr. Elias is off today. Of course, he mentioned it last week that he will be on the road, and so... He is on the road again, so we wish him well. We hope that uh, his travels are safe. And, of course, Mr. Jerome Esprit usually joins us after his commitment with Clear Channel Radio. So me and Vanessa is stirring the boat today. We are on the ship. You are comfortable on the ship, Vanessa. So uh, I was watching something uh, this morning as I was preparing for the show, and I was thinking about things that we could talk about. And, you know, the big thing that everyone is – making an uproar about is when President Biden visited Saudi Arabia, and now it's called the fist bump scene around the world where he fist bumped the crown prince of Saudi. And so people are saying that he shouldn't have gone. People are saying that he just sent the wrong message. And I have a different take on it, but I'm interested in what your take is before I get on my soapbox. What say you in regards to that particular situation? Or have you even seen it? I have seen it. Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand what the big deal is about. I mean, he fist bumped him and then the Saudi prince man went down the line and fist bumped everybody. I thought that was funny. I, but I just don't see the big deal. He, okay, so people don't want to be shaking hands. It just, I went to a funeral yesterday, and I didn't know whether to hug the brother who, of the person who died or not. And so I said, well, can I fist bump you? And he said, yes, because I haven't hugged my own mother in two years. So, oh, okay. I don't see that wrong with fist bump because it seems like that's what people want you to do. They don't want to touch you. I well, but I think... Yeah, I think you're missing the big. The bigger picture here is, is the reason why people are in an uproar, Vanessa, is not because of the fist bump or the handshake. They are in an uproar because U.S. intelligence says that the Saudi Crown Prince arranged the killing and the demembering. Okay, so what do they want Biden to do? Just, I mean, well, I mean, a lot of people are... But a lot of people are going back to what he said during his campaign, where he called them a pariah state. Uh, he had some very harsh comments about the crown prince. And so people are saying, look, you know, you're talking about their human rights issues. The fact that they killed an American, either he's a, he was a naturalized American. I think he was a naturalized American. I'm not for sure. Well, but he, he, Trump was in office, and Trump didn't do anything to any of those people for killing anybody. Are doing anything so yeah, you know but two wrongs don't make a right though. I mean, people are saying, but wait a minute, but Trump didn't. Trump didn't say during his stump speech or during debates that he would, and I think that's the difference. Uh, uh, you know, Biden said that he would. Biden said he would call him. You know, call them what they are, and a lot of people are saying, wait a minute, but you say all this, but when the rubber meets the road, when you get there, all of a sudden it's a whole different ball game. Now, in fairness to Biden, he didn't want to go. And his advisor said, look, we have to look at the greater good here. The greater good is, is that by meeting with the Saudis, there's a possibility you can really get oil prices down within the next couple of weeks, even though it's trending downward. But they're saying, look, you can get the cost of gas down. You know, there's some strategic alliances that we need with Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, like it or not, they are an ally. 
So sometimes you got to get and in the bed with folks that you don't want to get in bed with. Hello? Hello? I mean, some, you have to pick your battle. And I knew, I knew it was something about the oil and gas and the reason that he went. And so my conversation with my husband over here was, if he fist bumps, elbows, about down, I don't care. I need these gas prices to go down so these airline tickets can go down. So, I mean, oh, my God. People are complaining to Biden saying, we need these gas prices and oil and all of this to go down. And then he's trying to uncap some wells. They got something to say about that. He He's trying to talk to the Saudis. They got something about that. So pick your battles, people. I mean, the man is doing what he has to do to get the stuff done that you're on his back about. You know what? I don't see anything wrong with it. That's my opinion of that. I don't care what he said during election. Because during election time, honey, gas prices was two dollars and eighty nine cents a gallon. So I don't care what he said. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, my take on it is similar. Not you know, not exactly like yours, but, you know, I look at it from a different standpoint. I look at it from the fact that people are saying that we can't do business with people that we do not like. Remember, we lost a lot of service members in Vietnam, right? But we do business with Vietnam now. I mean, you know, during the Iraq war, uh, we lost a lot of service members there, but now we're trying to help them form a democracy. You know, I hate to say this, and I don't want to sound insensitive, but, you know, this is what we call collateral damage. I don't see people standing on top of the fence and crying and complaining about all the service members we've lost during wars. So, you know, you have to pick your battles. And so sometimes we have to do business with people that we do not like. Believe it or not, the United States. What? I mean, I kind of just said it like that, but in a different way. Pick your battles. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I agree. I agree. But like I said, my spirit, you know, I think people were like, well, she's talking about shaking hands and because of the COVID. It ain't got a dang old thing to do about that. It has everything to do with what it symbolizes. And I think that the bigger picture, the bigger picture here is people need to understand, once again, you have to do business with people that you don't like sometimes. Because what they say is nothing personal. It's all about business. So I feel for the family of the uh, slain uh, Washington Times reporter. I really do. And if I were in their shoes, I would probably be thinking the same way they are. But unfortunately, there's a bigger picture here. And unfortunately, that reporter is uh, what we call in the military collateral damage. You know, I don't know any other way to say it. Let's move to Georgia. Herschel Walker, now we're going to talk about this at some point during the show, but Herschel Walker is looks like he is going to be the GOP nominee running against uh, Senator Warnock in, uh, in, in, in Georgia. He has said some things that are so outlandish. And this is the thing that made me nervous, Vanessa, when Trump won. It's like it wasn't, you know, Trump didn't know what the hell he was doing. But it was a popularity contest. And so you have people who have popularity and celebrity thinking that they can just waltz up to the podium and say things and people are going to vote for them. You know, Herschel Walker, the main guy that talked about, oh, well, wait a minute, you know, I'm, I'm not a, you know, black fathers and fathers shouldn't abandon their kids, found out that he not, has not only won, 
not two, but I think he has three kids <laughs> that, that he's not a part of their lives. He pays child support or whatever, or pays money, but he's not in their lives, which contradicts the exact same thing that he was talking about. Looks like he said he, he graduated from college. Looks like that was a lie. Looks like he said he spent some time with law enforcement. That was a lie. He talked about the, the, the evolution of man saying that did it really exist because men are supposed to have come for our people or mankind was supposed to come from apes. And since there's still apes on earth, that means does it means that we have evolution. I mean, he is a nutcake. And I didn't realize how ridiculous Herschel Walker was. Have you been paying attention to any of that nonsense? Nope. And you know why? Because you're up there talking trash about people who ain't paying, ain't doing, and you're doing the same thing. So I stopped paying attention to him a, a month ago when all this mess started coming out. Nope. She said, I stopped paying I attention to him a month ago when all this stuff started coming out. Well, you know, this out. came up a month ago. This didn't just come up, Jay. This was up in the I know it didn't. I, I, I know. So I'm just saying, no, I don't pay any attention to him. No. To answer your question, no, I have not paid attention. But nope. I guess you've been paying attention to the climate. So the bigger picture here, or the bigger question, in my opinion, is what type of nutball is this? You have Dr. Oz. You have all these unqualified people running for office. You know, people were talking about Oprah should run for president. Oh, I think Oprah should run. No, Oprah shouldn't run because <laughs> Oprah don't know anything about being a damn president. But it's like, you know, we sit around and criticize the Republicans for doing ridiculous stuff. Oprah Winfrey running for president would be just as ridiculous as Donald Trump running for president. So stop it with all this nonsense. It's ridiculous. I totally agree. I totally you know, agree. Oh, well, well I don't even Michelle Democrat Obama. Democrat. Say what, Vanessa? I don't know. Who the Democrats are going to get, baby, to... What do you mean who they going to get to run? Trump, I mean, uh, Biden is the president. He's the one that's going to run, which is a segue to the next no. thing I wanted to talk about. No. What are you no. talking about? No, no. Well, you're breaking up, so it's no. hard to hear you. So go ahead. It's hard to hear you. So what, what were you saying? Let me set my phone up. No. Biden don't need to run. I thought he said he was going to run but, one term. No. He didn't say that. He never said that. And okay. this is the type of, well, this is the type of rift that we have in the Democratic Party because people are not happy with him. And, and look, I, I like Biden. I really do. But but he is an old man. And and sometimes you can see some of this stuff on the world stage. Uh, Kamala Harris is not very popular. But what does it say about a party? This will this is a this will be a mutiny if we decide to run someone against uh, Biden. I think the last time that happened, I have to check it during the break. I think the last time that happened was when Kennedy challenged uh, Senator Edward Kennedy challenged uh, 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 Jimmy Carter. I think it was. And you know what happened there. He was a one-term president. I think that when you start, you know, listen, he's a guy that everybody voted for. You know, we have to stick with him. Hold your nose and go vote for him. Because what you don't want is this type of civil war in the Democratic Party. And that's exactly what you're going to get if you have a situation where you're trying to run someone else as our party's nominee. He is the sitting president of the United States, regardless of how old he is. And to be perfectly honest with you, Vanessa, his policies are not that far out there. I mean, you know, the messaging for the Democrats has always been, how do you, how does it resonate with the bigger public, right? 
because they're doing good things. But it's not resonating with people. And so when and people... Well, it ain't resonating with you either because you, you don't want them to run. Nope. So, so, who, so then, Vanessa, if, okay, so then who do you want to run? Didn't I just say that out of my mouth? That's, ain't that part of the whole conversation? But you can't. Came up. I okay, said, but, who are okay, they who? going to find? I don't know who, who Jay. Cory Booker? Jay, I haven't even thought about it. I'm asking you, Cory Booker. I don't know. I haven't just sat down and said, who would I like to run in the Democratic position? I haven't thought about that right now. Because I'm okay, so, be praying to God to get rid of panic. So one okay. step at a time. Okay, so so know. let me let me let me. Okay, so let me illustrate how dangerous that statement is to the Democratic okay, Party on the whole. It, it is dangerous. dangerous as you lay it out. I do not want Biden to run again. Okay, okay, we got that. Uh, I understand that, but my point to you is, is this: Let's talk about how dangerous that statement is, and it illustrates the divide in the Democratic Party. I always tell people that, you know, I, we got to wrap it up. Listen real quick. I used to tell people who work for me: If you come to me with a problem, come to me with a solution. If you come and say I don't want him to run, but then who do you want to run? I don't know. Well, that, yeah, okay, think about that, and then the next time have an answer. So then people will say, oh, okay, you're, you're making. It's like we don't know what we want. If you know what you want, uh, people will follow you to the end of time. But when you don't know, people are saying you're confused just as the, as the person that you're, you're, you know, you're working against. So it's just we have to be careful when we put stuff out there because folks are listening to what we say. And when you say, oh, I don't know. Well, then, okay, there's an illustration of what no, the Democratic don't Party is. Don't make me sound like I'm stupid, Jay. No. I'm not saying you're stupid. No. Never use that word. Never use that word, Vanessa. No. Don't take it that way. Oh, you're I taking don't it personal. Know. No. Okay, uh, so for no. those of you for listening, no, I do not want Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to run. I would like to see someone younger with some good policies or whatever in place. Have I sat there and thought about who I would like to run? No, because I still have two years with that, at least one year with that before they start announcing and running. What I need is some Democratic people to come forward. And now, let me tell you who I would like to be vice president. I would like that lady from Baltimore who used to be a police chief, Vi Demings. Val Demings, yeah. I think yeah. she should have been vice president this time. So I would like to see her, but they're not going to be able to put black people up in there all willy-nilly. The people, the country's just not going to do it. But that's what I would like to see, one. Now, who I would like to okay. see run as president, I have not thought about that. But I'm not okay. just saying it all willy-nilly. I just don't want it to be Biden. So, got it. All right, we got to go. Another- bye. We got to go. All right, bye. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. Jesus. Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. Russia is stepping up military operations along a vast front with Ukraine. Ukrainian officials say artillery shelling and missile strikes have already intensified. NPR's Brian Mann reports. After gaining small amounts of territory in the eastern Donbass region, Russia paused to regroup and resupply. But attacks have now resumed with heavy shelling and rocket fire and cruise missiles regularly striking cities far from the front lines. Yuri Sack is a spokesman for Ukraine's defense ministry. 
They are striking civilian, uh, civilian residential areas. They're killing children. They're destroying schools, kindergartens, theaters, hospitals. And that's why our army is prepared. In his latest broadcast, President Volodymyr Zelensky urged Ukrainians not to be intimidated by what he describes as Russian terrorism. Zelensky also warned people to respect the air raid sirens and take shelter when they sound. Brian Mann, NPR News, Keith. Amid the fight for the eastern Ukraine's Donbass region, the latest intelligence update for the British Defense Ministry says Russia is reinforcing its defensive position in the occupied southern Ukraine, likely in anticipation of a Ukrainian offensive. The anti-government protest movement in Sri Lanka reached 100 days today, and protesters are celebrating their success, announcing what was once the country's most powerful political dynasty. Shishmita Palak reports on what comes next. The Sri Lankan People's Movement began in early April with protesters gathering in front of President Gotabaya Rajapaksha's residence. Hundred days later, Rajapaksha has been forced out of office and has fled the country. His brother and other relatives who held several top government positions have also stepped down. Protesters are now turning their focus on Ranil Vikramasinghe, who resigned as Prime Minister after protests intensified last week, but became acting president after Rajapaksha resigned. Sri Lankan lawmakers will elect a long-term president on Wednesday, and Vikramasinghe is among the front-runners in that race. Protesters want him gone too. For NPR News, I'm Sushmita Pathak in Hyderabad, India. As Wall Street looks ahead to the next Federal Reserve meeting, investors will sit through new data on the U.S. economy and several major companies. Here's NPR's David Gura. Earnings season continues with Bank of America and Goldman Sachs reporting on Monday. Big banks are bellwethers, and Wall Street is eager to see how they've navigated a challenging market. On Tuesday, there's a hearing in Delaware. Twitter is asking a court to fast-track its lawsuit against billionaire Elon Musk. He's trying to walk away from his $44 billion takeover bid. We get new data on energy and housing ahead of a critical meeting at the end of the month of the Federal Reserve. Central Bank is expected to raise interest rates again in response to high inflation. Prices have continued to rise at their fastest pace in four decades. David Gura, NPR News, New York. And this is NPR. To be a good father is the most important job in a man's life. But it doesn't have to be hard. Play catch. Go to a park or visit a zoo. Help your child with their homework. Sit down together for dinner. Ask them how their day was. Things get busy, and sometimes we all fall short. But the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Tonight, Indiana's Republican Attorney General, Todd Rokita, told CBS News that his office is investigating whether Dr. Caitlin Bernard, a local OBGYN physician, followed state law, which requires her to report that she performed an abortion on a 10-year-old girl who was a victim of rape. The girl traveled from Ohio, where most abortions are illegal, once there is cardiac activity, usually at six weeks. CBS News has obtained a reporting document apparently submitted to the state's health department within two days of the abortion by the doctor who terminated the pregnancy of the 10-year-old. We reached out to the Attorney General's office for comment but did not hear back before this broadcast. 
Elizabeth Nash works for an abortion rights group. That the best thing for a sexual assault survivor who needs an abortion is not an abortion ban. Since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, Ohio is one of at least nine states which make no exceptions for rape or incest. In Indiana, abortions are still legal up to 22 weeks. How concerned are physicians now about potentially being in legal jeopardy? Well, they're incredibly concerned because more than anything, providers want to provide care. The girl's case sparked international attention after President Biden made reference to it as he signed an executive order to protect access to abortion. Ten years old. Raped, six weeks pregnant, already traumatized, is forced to travel to another state. Yesterday, 27-year-old Gerson Fuentes was arraigned in Ohio for allegedly raping the girl. Tonight, the Indiana doctor's lawyer released a statement saying, quote, My client, Dr. Caitlin Bernard, took every appropriate and proper action in accordance with the law and both her medical and ethical training as a physician. She followed all relevant policies, procedures, and regulations in this case. The attorney says they are considering legal action to clear her name. Welcome back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's twenty five minutes after the hour. You're listening to the serious side of the Jay Rao Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network. Uh, what a uh, what a just a sick person to rape a ten year old girl, and then to compound that situation is the fact that she had to travel out of state, right, to uh, get an abortion. Now there are some Republicans who are saying we don't care what the situation is doesn't really matter whether the mother's uh, life is in danger or, you know, if it's incest, we don't care. Uh, life has the right to live. Uh, and this case comes up. And so, Vanessa, obviously, it's just you and I here this morning. So we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll carry the can. Um, first of all, it's just sickening how, a person could even look at a child in that light. Uh, and the fact that this child was raped, it was impregnated by a 27-year-old monster. And the fact that this young lady had to travel out of state to a state where abortions were legal, but that state's attorney general put out a whole lot of lies saying the doctor didn't follow the standard practice, the doctor didn't do any of these things, and all of a sudden found, we find out that the doctor did exactly what she was supposed to do to care for this young patient. Let me get your thoughts on this, and, and I want to definitely take a look at the rest of the GOP's response because, you know, some of these guys are freaking idiots. And, and, and when I think about the, just the tone and the nature of where this country is, it's alarming, the fact that, People are trying to politicize this, and folks can say Democrats are doing it as well. But, you know, sometimes you have to do things for the greater good. Give me a thought on this, your thoughts on this, and uh, we'll, we'll just start from there. Wow. Mm. I just can't get past still some old white men making decisions on the woman's body and can't nobody make a decision about their penises. But anyway, the doctor did what she was supposed to do. The doctor did what she was supposed to do. 
the child had to go across state lines. I think all of that is ludicrous. I just can't even, I can't even imagine how many children this is going to happen to who parents aren't going to take them across the state lines. Who can't afford it. it. That's the bigger thing. That's why people are saying this is going to affect women of color because there are a lot of women that just, people just can't afford to do that. We're talking in some cases, you know, six hours to get to a place that will allow you to have an abortion. Six hours, Vanessa. Well, you know, you know what? I, I guess in my lifetime, I've never had to deal with this. But some people are going to have to pay a little bit more attention to what their children are doing or might not be doing. And they might have to put these children on birth control at a younger age than they normally would. Would I suggest giving it to a 10-year-old? No. But the average age that women start thinking about birth control for their children and, and the baby boomer years, talking about my lifetime, is usually around 16. But now that they can't have an abortion, if something happens, they might want to start talking to their children at 13, 14 to get them on birth yeah, control because they, because they can't have an abortion. That's the only reason why I'm saying that if their children might be or you think your child is, that's all I'm saying, because the law does not care. The Supreme Court did not care. I mean, so this is just so horrible. It's just so yeah, horrible. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you, yeah, because, uh, you know, obviously, just FYI, folks who are listening, LES is away. There's no Pastor Steve. There's no, you know, I don't check chat rooms because it's just hard for me, for me to do that. Thank you, Vanessa for making that announcement. Uh, so the, the bigger issue here, though, I'm glad you cleaned it up because I can just, you know, I'm so tempted. I, you know, force of habit, when people... Uh, no, no, no. I was tempted to, when one of us say something that I think that's going to be controversial, I usually, let me just kind of give some people some, you know, some background information. During the show, I usually don't start collecting uh, comments from different places until about the eh, about after we're 45 minutes into the show, right? I really start going out and start trying to pull comments down so I can read them during what we call uh, state your case to you know pass the state state your case where we read comments from social media. Uh, but when someone says something that's controversial, I immediately try to run out there to see can I get a quick comment, and I was so tempted to go when you made the comment about people need to watch their children, because I thought that you were about to say something along the lines of, well, you know, well, you said it, and I'm thinking, okay, folks are going to say, what is she talking about with a 10-year-old? But I'm glad you, I'm glad what you're saying is right. Maybe kids, you know, parents do need to have those conversations with their children, maybe earlier uh, than, than, you you know, back in the day, I think my mother talked to me about sex when I was, you know what? I don't remember when she talked to me about sex. Now that I think about it, oh, I know when she did. She she talked to me about sex. I think I was eleven. We were having a party downstairs, and I grabbed the girl's booty and she ran upstairs and told my mom. And boy, that was the end of that. 
Yeah, <laughs> I've digressed. Three, four, seven, eight, five, oh. Well, that's what happened. Are, I'm saying about people that are raped. I'm just saying that a lot of people, just me included, I wouldn't have thought my child at 13, you know, but I. Say what? This is very controversial. I just. Okay. I don't want to say anything wrong. I don't want to say anything wrong. I just know that some people, now they are times, I'm seeing even family members who need to get a closer watch on their children because even I'm seeing how fast they are. When we call, y'all know what fast tailed mean if you don't ask somebody older. And so I just think that they're going to have to have this conversation younger for birth control because they can't go run them to a clinic. That's all I got to say about that. I'm looking at it. Are you the, hello? Okay. Hello. Okay, we lost Vanessa. Let me bring in the uh, smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Esprit, is in the house, man. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, you know, this topic is a hard topic for me being a girl dad, um, and it's difficult because of the climate that we're in. But, you know, Jerome, just give me your thoughts on the fact. Here's a 10-year-old girl that was raped. She was raped, and um, and the fact that think about the timing of this as well, right? Because we're about to get it, we're about to head into the midterms. You know, this is topic numero uno for a lot of people uh, when it comes to a, a woman's right to choose. To all of a sudden, this case comes, and as a political strategist, you know, is this is this like a gift? For Democrats, and let me say this, folks, who's listening, I'm not, come on now, you know how I feel about stuff like this. You guys have heard me weep on the air because these types of things really bother me. But from a political standpoint, I mean, this situation, the, the, the timeliness of this, the Democrats couldn't wish for a better situation, right? Well, if if everybody didn't have such short-term memory, so what would have to happen is that they would have to really get more um, publicity is not the word I'm looking for, but this the story um, would have to become a higher profiled story than it is now. I mean, people yeah. are talking about it, and, you know, the Fox people were denying that it. we never even had a, a record of this happening, and then, right. you know, once the police arrested the guy, then they came out and apologized. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really cover the story. So it depends on how you watch news if you'll even get the gist of the story. But the mm-hmm. truth is is that everybody should be sick, sick about something happening to a 10-year-old, no matter what. Everybody should be sick about that. I'm not sure if um, within the scope of some people's pathology that it even matters, right? It was kind of like saying these kids are locked up in cages. They're not even throwing blankets on them. They're putting this, you know, 
paper thing over them, and they're laying on the floor. I don't think it moved this country to shut down those those places, um, you know, in Texas and, and um, Arizona when they were doing that to migrant children. I don't think this country looks at it like that. We're judgmental, and we like to pull at everybody else's heartstrings when we're judging another country. But when it happens in this country, everybody's going to run their butts to Starbucks and do whatever they normally do and not paying any attention. Our humanity kind of sucks when it really comes down to that. Not ours, but I'm saying our muscle memory when it comes to news, capturing a story, trying to get a, a, another angle. You don't see media running out to all Republicans putting a mic in front of their mouth and saying, what do you think about this? So they're letting them off the hook. But let it be a Democrat for anything. Every time they're on TV, they'll say, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? But they'll never do that to Republicans. So they're going to try to let the story die on the vine like they always do. Um, even when you talk about, um, even when you talk about the gun debate, you'll see that yeah, they'll do a few stories, and you know, but the the newscasters are really cold about it, right? They're just pretty much like, oh, it happened. What are we going to do from here? Nobody's going to do anything, and then they will let it go because they're they're. That system is actually, it has a, a way of normalizing craziness, but making us worry about things that are sensational. So it's going to be really, it's really weird. I, the Democrats, I mean, I'm not going to say that from a strategy standpoint, what they should or should not do. I'll just tell you that the Republicans are really good at hiding their dysfunction and their disdain for people. They really are, are horrible at this stuff, so they won't answer any questions. It's like asking Jim Jordan about child, about a child rape when he know he had all of those things going on um, at the college that he was at. at that what's that wrestling program? Where you're oh yeah, playing. right. Jim Jordan had all of that stuff going. So why don't the media go to that dude and be like, "What do you think about this ten-year-old?" Well, they did. They did. And they let him off the hook. They did because they they confronted him about it because first he said he didn't believe the story. But then when they called him in a hallway, he came back and said, well, I wasn't questioning. And the reporter said, no, yes, you were. You were were questioning whether this story was true or not. He was talking about, I was questioning the fact that President Biden was politicizing it. They are liars. They are liars. His statement is out there for everyone to see. Right, and just because he said Biden made him politicize it. They're really there good at go. this. They're really good at it. So he couldn't answer a question without throwing Biden's name in it. That thing it had nothing to do with Biden. Right? So anytime you ask the Republican questions, they will they will distract you by bringing up a Democrat. What did so-and-so say? Well, did you hear what AOC said? Did you hear? Like, they will distract you. You're a doggone representative. What do you think? And they will blow that stuff off. So we need to do a better job, you know, as a society, and especially for media covering this stuff, because we usually let them dictate, you know, what it is that that they want to say and what they want you to say. You're right. That's crazy. 
Yeah, it's ridiculous. Vanessa, I know you you uh we lost you for a second. Any let me give you an opportunity to finish up uh your comments before we go to break. Nope, I don't have any. Good morning, Jerome. Hey, good morning. All right, all right. Well three four seven eight five oh one two seven two is our call in number. You know, we talked about at the top of the show. Uh, what happened in Uvalde? Uh, we talked about a little bit of gun violence. We talk about gun violence all the time on this show, and we talk about how this country, when we, when, when it comes to gun violence, how much gun violence this country has. Now, and we're just talking about the stories that make headlines. Well, in this week's edition of In Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know, we're going to focus on some of the gun violence stories that don't make the headlines. And when you talk about the, the amount of violence that this country has when it comes to gun violence, you don't even know because almost over half the stories are not reported. It's convenient time in four minutes or less, something that you need to know. And we'll be right back after this. Story about gun violence in all its forms. And a note, that includes descriptions of suicide. It starts with a shooting a week ago. Not the one you've heard about, the mass shooting in Highland Park, Illinois. This one was a few hours away in Peoria. Quentin Scott was shot and killed around 3.30 a.m. on July 4th. He was 19 years old. I really don't know how to feel except for I feel lost. Marcellus Somerville runs a community organization called Friendship House in Peoria. Quentin Scott was in a career development program there, working toward becoming a carpenter. Somerville called him Q and said he was always around. I mean, it's hard to walk the halls in the building, not yell out Q and come here, do this. The staff at Friendship House helped Scott work his way through a self-paced high school diploma program. He just graduated in April. We gave him, like, this award. Um, It's crazy. His butt didn't even take it home, but... I have it here in my office. It says, dream, believe, achieve, and then he was supposed to put his diploma in there. For every mass shooting, there are scores of deaths like Quentin Scott's, lives taken one by one, each just as devastating to the people around the victim. Like Paula Volker in Casper, Wyoming. Her July 4th started with a panic attack. I was actually kind of surprised. I woke up with a nightmare. Last Monday marked nine years since her husband, Dale, shot and killed himself. He was an athlete and had just had a couple of back surgeries that left him in pain, unable to do the physical activities he loved. One day, he didn't come home from work. I think it was a snap decision that morning. I truly believe if there wouldn't have been a gun in the home that this wouldn't have happened. Meaningfully reducing gun deaths in the U.S. will mean preventing deaths like Dale Volker's in Casper and Quentin Scott's in Peoria. Cassandra Crafossi studies gun violence at Johns Hopkins University. Far too often policy conversations are driven by mass shootings, and that, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't make policy to address them. But if we focus only on those, we might miss other opportunities for intervention. There were 45,000 gun deaths in the U.S. in 2020, the most recent year with available data. When you start pulling that number apart, some troubling trends jump out. One in every 1,000 black men and boys between the ages of 15 and 34 was shot and killed in 2020, according to a Johns Hopkins analysis. That is 21 times the rate of their white counterparts. Living under that threat weighs on a person, 
That's what Ernest Willingham told the U.S. Senate committee last month. Growing up in Chicago, it has become the norm to hear that someone, primarily a young person, has been shot and killed. Therefore, we cherish every possible accomplishment because we attended more funerals than weddings. Willingham is 19 years old, a junior at Northeastern University in Boston. And he told the senators he'd seen his brother, father, cousin, and best friend become victims of gun violence. When we talked to Willingham, he told us that sense of danger shaped the way his grandmother raised him. I always wondered why didn't my grandmother let me go to certain places or why wasn't I allowed to play outside with certain kids after a certain time. You know, I wasn't a bad kid. I always got good grades in school and I wondered, was this a punishment growing up? Was I doing something wrong? But it turns out that she was just in fear that you know, I would go and that something would happen, as she had seen with, like, her other grandkids. That Senate hearing where Ernest Willingham testified was June 15th. In just a few weeks since then, he's been touched by gun violence again, twice. He says his niece was shot in her own home. She survived, but he says the family has left their house out of fear of another attack. And his friend, Eric Brown, was shot too. When I was growing up, I was like, I hope I never get shot. That's something that I never want to experience. So I made sure to avoid every way possible to not get shot. Brown told us he made sure to have good grades and test scores. And like Willingham, he went out of state to the University of Wisconsin, in part to escape gun violence in Chicago. I don't have to, like, lean towards the streets and be involved in nonsense that I don't see myself being a part of. I never thought I was going to be a victim of gun violence. Brown is back in the area this summer for an internship. He and a couple of high school friends stopped by a vegan restaurant for takeout in a neighborhood he didn't know well. They ordered, then went back to the car to wait for their food. Moments later, there was shots being fired towards my vehicle. And all I like to remember during that time is just like, in my head, like, when is this going to be over? When is this going to be over? Like, just praying that it's going to be over and that I don't get hit nowhere, that it will just, like, permanently make me disabled or, like, even kill me. The NAACP is committed to equality for all people especially the equality of foundational black Americans. Every other child gets a chance at economic equality. Every other child gets a chance at living the best life they possibly can. Doesn't he deserve a chance to? Learn more at NAACP.org. Online radio at its best. Are you prepared to take the oath? I am. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Katanji Brown Jackson, do solemnly swear. I, Katanji Brown Jackson, do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter. So help me God. So help me God. Thank you very much. And now I'll turn things over to Justice Breyer. Welcome back in. Three four seven eight five zero. No, we're not doing all that. All right, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Welcome back in. It's forty seven minutes after the hour. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Ross Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS 
Radio Network, online radio at its best. I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, where you are, Mr. Elias is on vacation today, but Vanessa and Mr. Jerome is freezing the house. And I want to also read something. Uh, Johnny D. checked in over the weekend. I'm going to read his comments here uh, towards the end of the show. Um, this is a topic that one of our users uh, actually asked us to talk about. And the reason why I'm bringing it up today is because they keep sending me messages about this. And I, you know, for me, I think it's controversial, the controversial topic. But you know what? The last message that I got from this individual, and her name is Caitlin, uh, she told, she dared me saying that, you know, I listen to this show all the time, you know, while I'm getting ready for church, and the one time I have inputs, you won't even read it. Why are you afraid to address this topic? It's something that a lot of people in our community are thinking about, Jay, and you need to bring it up on the show. And so, Galen, I'm going to bring it up on the show. Now, you heard at the top the swearing in of the first black judge, Supreme Court Justice. Let me see, can I set this up where it makes sense? So basically what the listener was saying was how we embrace all these firsts when it comes to, you know, African-Americans, especially on the political side, right? We had the first, you know, African-American president. Um, you know, we have the first vice president of color of the, in the United States. And I think some of you guys already know where I'm going with this. And then you have the situation with Kentanji uh, Brown uh, being added to the Supreme Court. Her comments were, hers and Caitlin was like, look, we support all these people that marry outside of our race. So if we are going to support people who are through and through black folk, then why are we supporting these people who, you know, especially with the females, didn't marry a black man, they had to go get a white guy to be their partner. Now, she didn't bring out President Obama, but the fact that, you know, President Obama had a white mama. So, you know, I don't know how to even, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to go, where to go with this conversation, but I guess I'll start with you, Jerome. Um, is there some validity in what she's saying? It's like you know, it's like the old, you know, like the OJ. She didn't bring up OJ. She said, you know, when OJ was running around jumping over suitcases in airports, you know, he didn't really give two two cents about the black community. But then when he got in trouble, he wouldn't marry the white wife. But when he got in trouble, guess what? Guess the community that rallied around him was African Americans. So it's like these people want to embrace sisterhood and brotherhood and, you know, you know, we support our own when there's a little bit of a controversy, when they need our support. But why didn't they keep, why didn't they marry the race? I don't know how to go with this because on one hand it sounds like you're saying, well, blacks should marry blacks and whites should marry whites. I, I don't know where to go with this, Jerome, so help me out, man, because I'm struggling here. Hey, is this even a viable topic to even talk about? In your opinion. It sure is, Jay, and I'll tell you why. Okay. And I'm glad my, I think my girl Amy is listening today, so I want to say hey to her in the ATL. So, because in having these conversations, um, 
it is something that we should consider, right? So this is only from something that we should consider kind of as a think tank as black people. Why is it that the people who get appointed to office to higher offices by white folks have to have a a white spouse? Why is that something that we should be embracing? I'm not saying that we shouldn't be embracing our people because we should. But it is something to think about. Right? Is that doing something to us as a community hmm. to make us think the only way that we can make it is to fully integrate ourselves into whoever our oppressor is? Right? Wow. So, how your colonizer sees you is, and that's how colonization works, right? Nothing is okay. valid unless they have some kind of stake into what you're doing, right? Hmm. Once Eminem jumped into rap, then white folks felt that they owned rap somehow, right? Eminem didn't feel that way, so they don't want to put that out there that way. It's just that honest interpretation that that their community feels like they have some kind of ownership. So, yeah, let's ask that question. You know, whether it is, you know, Jordan Peele or whomever. Like, I can go down the list. I don't want to commit my own black-on-black crime, but so I won't (laughs) shout people out. But let's just say that, it is a legitimate question why white folks are more comfortable with people who have white spouses than they are with black people. Huh. That is legitimate. So I know you okay. didn't know which way to go with that, but I can tell you that my thoughts and some conversations that I've been having about this very thing is is something that's concerning. Concerning because now that we have, you know, proud boy races like very – tight white supremacy stuff going against black people, then embracing the people who are integrated into a society that hates them, how are you supposed to feel if you're black with a black spouse? Will you not be accepted? Now, I believe that President Obama would not have gotten elected. I think that helped him because in white folks' head, it's like having a degree, right? It is just – it is just a white acceptance certification. That's why when you meet someone white and you say, hey, I graduated from wherever, they're like, oh, cool. But if you didn't tell them that, they have a tendency to look down on you. It's like, well, you have no education if some white institution didn't give you a certificate. In our head, in our community, culturally, if you meet somebody black and you ask them, and you ask them a question like that, we don't care about credentials. If the people don't like you, they don't like you. So you can't go to a black person and go, listen, I have a Ph.D. for MIT. They will pretty much curse you out. They don't care. But white folks do ask your credentials when they meet black people. Where are you from? What you do? They're sizing you up. That is a legitimate question to ask. I don't have an answer to it, by the way, but it is legitimate. Wow. Yeah, I definitely can't wait to hear what you have to say. Yeah, go no, ahead, Vanessa. I just didn't comment on it's on my mind about Jerome, what he just said, because my daughter said the same thing. Uh, oh, can I, can I, can I, my hand is up. Can I, can I, can I? <laughs> Jerome, yeah. you know how you just said about having, you know, your degree or whatever on the wall? Let me, oh, my God, my daughter said that. My daughter took a picture of her office or something one time, and I said, why do you have your Texas University stuff up there? Where's your University of Houston CPA license and all that? And she said, Mama, I don't acknowledge that 
I graduated from University of Houston and my CPA came from there. If that's what they, and this lady was being a snob to this other black girl who went to another black school. I, don't, I think it was Lamar University or something, Jay in Baytown. So I said, Jessica, she said, no, mama, let her think that I graduated from Texas Southern University and that's where I got my master's from. Because yep. I am highly educated and I ain't got to prove nothing to them and I ain't got to hang nothing on my wall that says that I'm a University of Houston graduate. They better take me from Texas Southern and keep it moving. Jerome, my daughter said the same thing. Yeah, it's a part of the culture. My daughter's like, I don't care what some white people think my education level is. I'm making more money than them, and I'm going to leave my TSU right up on the wall with my tiger, and she don't have nothing in her office that says University of Houston. Nothing. It is hilarious. My daughter said exactly what you said. Yeah. She did. I, there's, a, there's, a feeling, there's a feeling, Vanessa, that goes with that when you know that people are sizing you up, right? Yep. And so you're not going to take my intellect for what it is. People ask you, like, I, I, I met uh, a politician one time, and they came to me and said, what races have you done, is what they said to me. Now, I never <laughs> answered that question, because my response to that is, first of all, I will bill you to even ask me that question. Why are you talking to me? <laughs> right? If you don't know, you don't know. I don't have nothing to prove to nobody. And I think that black people – those of us who can be free need to be free to free everybody else up. Because if I felt obligated to take interrogation from the lowest level person that I ever met, then technically why wouldn't someone else who doesn't have the same credentials as me feel obligated to do that? Sure, right? my daughter so, said that. My daughter yes, said and that. She, that's wise of her. She, that's a smart thing to do because you have to look at the big, bigger picture of black folks. Don't be selfish and, and, and be, I'm proud that I graduated from Notre Dame and what, d- don't do that. Because you're, you're playing into the pathology of white folks that actually hinders black people across the board. Wrong. She can get so much further if some of the white people in the office realize that she did graduate from U.S.A., but she doesn't care. She says, I'm not putting that up on the wall. My bosses know in my paperwork, but the rest of them, I don't care. I just right, because, I don't care. because in, her, in her perspective, right, if she can do her job, mind your business about knowing where I live at, what my mother did, yep. am I the first person that yep. went to college? Yep. That plays into white people's tropes against black people, right? That's always promoted. I'm the first black you know in my what? family to go to, to go to college. But you know what's interesting about she- that? And I'm thinking it was Dr. Joy, um, um, the guru that said this, I'm not sure, but it's like understanding that um, that black people, like once slavery, if you look at the um, the date that HBC, HBCUs, HBCUs were created, just find any HBCU, look at the date that they were founded, right? Think about it this way. Did black people just learn to read to be in college in 18-something? Of course we knew how to read way before then. We got into college. It is nuts that we think that we just started to read. There were black colleges in the 1800s. <laughs> right? So, so I'm just saying.
saying. Like, so when we keep promoting this, um, we are happy to be there, and this person must have been dating a white person. That's why they're smart, or they, they acclimated themselves into Princeton or something, and, you know, that validates them. That is bull. Black people have been educated for a long time, and I would almost wager everything that I have that black people are, in, are smarter, right? Because our our sense of oppression and how we got through that level of oppression is exactly what white folks are scared of. That's why anytime you say, hey, this is just for black people, they're like, why? How come we can't know? They're, they're like paranoid that we are doing something that they are not allowed to do. Black people walk away from you and be like, so, <laughs> like, we don't care. There is something in their pathology that actually has a problem with even knowing that. That's critical race theory. I just cleared up something that was blaringly obvious, but in our psyche we like to believe that black people are all from neighborhoods that don't allow them to read at a certain grade level, you know, like everybody's behind or something. Black people have been going to college for a long, long time. And I'm not even saying that that's good. It's still uh, that piece of paper is still a diploma of white acceptance. It doesn't mean you're not smart because because you didn't go to college. I guess I'm trying to understand, too, what is her question? Why does black people feel like they have to be successful married to a white person? Is that what the question was, Wallace? I mean... No, it was yeah. it was more well, along really, the lines of yeah, it's not a question oh, per se. Yeah, no, no, it was not a question. It was just one of my listeners was like, you know, we embrace these people. We want to, you know, treat them as if they're our own. But but you know, but yeah, but they they got white spouses. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and Jerome, you explained it perfectly. I mean, wow. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. don't have to. The the problem is is that. I, and, and a part of the discussion, I guess, that a part of the question, because people are asking this question. I, I've been having this conversation for a long time. And a part of the question is, why is it that white folks can only accept black people when they have white spouses? So then we start playing into the pathology of black men have always been dating white women or black women are starting to date white men. And we're like, okay, well, the part of that problem is that white folks do treat you very differently inside of their spaces if your spouse is white, right? Because that's what that's what colonizers do. It's like, oh, I can accept you, but we you have to show us that your your loyalties isn't just to black people, so they feel more comfortable with you. So yeah. not that I have any problem with. You know Kamala or 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 the Supreme Court judge. Like I don't know them. Like I don't know what their policies are to say that they would be good or bad for the um, betterment of black people. I just know Clarence Thomas isn't right. But I don't know them. But I can tell you this: there is something to be said that people who have black spouses do not elevate to the same space that white folks are in. Like that they nominate and put you in those spaces when you don't have a white spouse. Mm, look at that. It, look at you. It's almost like looking at television. Sorry, Jay, but it's almost like looking at television yeah. and seeing most black males on the news are gay. 
It is just as disturbing as that. And then those gay guys who are on TV have white spouses. (laughs) It's still the same thing. Oh, you know, look at you talking about Don Lemon. Let me get out to a phone call, Jerome. I was not talking about him. He's about all that Yeah, you were. Stop it. I got you. Don no, Lemon. No, no. Oh. <laughs> let's get out here. Uh, another guy. He's another one. He's another one. He's another one. Yep, see, he was next, Jerome. Uh, That's a black-on-black look. crime, though, and I apologize for that. I, I deserve uh, a black. <laughs> Call them out. Yeah, I hear you. And I fell right, into that. Uh, let's, let's get out the phone, yes. I fell into that. No, no. Me. See, 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 you're trying out. to. I, no, no. You are trying to blame me on the coup that I pulled you into a black-on-black crime. I did not pull you, yes, sir. You I'm not an accomplishment to the crime. I said gay guys that are on TV has white spouses. You started naming names. That is just wrong. I just want to well, put I that tell out you there. what, I would never rob a liquor store with you. Let's get out to the phone line. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Because you, you're, you're a snitch. All right, let's bring in. Let's bring in. You're a snitch. Yeah, you're a snitch. All right, let's bring in my man, Kavina. Kavina usually don't call in. Good morning, Kavina, man. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing good. I hope everybody's doing good. Hey, what's, up, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. I, I, on this topic, this is an important topic, so I have to call in. Okay, I I support interracial marriage, but here's okay. the end of my butt. I don't think that the people who are interracial marriage can represent the black community. You can't represent the black family with a white spouse. It's just, you just can't do it. And I, and I think that it, it has to be us black people. We have to, when Kamala Harris runs for president, I know she, she will probably in about, you know, 12 months or so, it has to be we black people have to say to her, no, you can't represent her. uh, Biden chose her because she had a white spouse. He chose Katajit Brown because she had a white spouse. But we Mm. black community, we're going to reject you because you have a white spouse. It's up to us to say that. We have to say it and we have to, don't don't beat around the bush. Don't say we don't know her politics. Don't say this. Just come out and say it. You can't represent us, and if we want a first female black president, she has to have a black family. Can you? Can we just say that? And let me then, ask you something. And then, let, yeah. I love it. Let, let me ask you something, Convener. All right, three four seven eight five zero one two seven. I tell you what, don't go nowhere. I want to finish this on the other side. We're going to push this other topic back, but we got to take a break. Convener, hang in there because I have a follow-up question okay. for you on that. That is very interesting what you just said. And of course, my main man Jerome always bring it to the light. You know what they say about those germs? Bring it to the light, and it will be disinfected. My man. All right, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We're going to extend this one a little bit. We may even skip the next topic because this is Kaylin, my girl. We brought it up, and look what you've done. You have changed the way this show is heading. Why can't I lean on me? What did uh, Joe Brown say to the lady? Say congratulations. You just rearranged and changed our alma mater. We'll be right back after this. 347-852-1272. Oh, those boys are much too much. Those boys are much too much. We got the spirit. We're hot. We can't be stopped. We got the spirit. We're hot. We can't be stopped. We're going to beat them and bust them. Smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. 
Take time to be a dad One more today. All oh, those boys are much too much. Those boys. So did we really and truly have the first black president? Because, you know, President Obama was mixed. 
you know, do, do we support, you know, uh, uh, Kamala Harris moving forward because she married a white man? The new justice, you know, Justice Brown married a white man. You know, but what I wanted to ask you, uh, Davina, was when we talk about supporting, because, you know, we had this conversation uh, with the Hillary Clinton thing, right? People saying, well, you know what, I don't want to support Hillary because she made a comment about super predator. And it's like, okay, but wait a minute. Think about if you don't support her, what are you supporting? So a vote, if you don't vote for her, that's a vote for Donald Trump. And I think we all have said uh, on numerous occasions on this show that the 2016 uh, election will go down is, will go down in history as probably one of the most provocative moments uh, in modern history as far as electing that clown as president. But when we say we shouldn't support them, what exactly do you mean, Kavita? When you say we shouldn't support them, even if on the other side of the fence we have a gun-toting, hug, flag-hugging, uh, proud boy-supporting cat on the other side, are we saying we shouldn't support them? How do you put that in context, that statement that you make? Okay, when I, yeah, when I put it in the context, I mean like during the primary, I'm hoping that okay. someone will run against them that we actually can vote for. And that person doesn't even have uh, to be black. I'm just saying, I want to just say it up front because, you know, she's going to announce, and then within the the first, you know, few weeks, they're going to ask, you know, black people are going to get in front of the camera, and they're going to be teary-eyed, oh, yeah, we got somebody black in front of the president, kind of thing. But we should come up. When, they, when the camera comes into me, I'm going to say no. I'm going to, I'm going to tell her exactly what I say. I can't support her because... You know, she doesn't. She's not part of the black family. We can't have her being that person. That's an important historical person, and that right. person should be a should be black. And okay. black. Yeah, you know. Jay, you called me on the carpet this morning. Call him. Oh, it's call him on the carpet for what? If if he doesn't want them or her, who does he choose? Who do you have in place? Is that what you said to me this morning, Jay? Yeah, yeah. but it's a little it's a little different. But okay, we'll call them on the carpet. It's, it's different not. because yeah, actually it is because we're talking about the president. Well, if folks, if you're just listening, it's we, not because and I had he just said we should vote for her again. So that's exactly what I said this morning. Was yeah, that but I he was. But okay, he's talking yeah. about a hypothetical, Vanessa. I mean, we, we don't know if, if Kamala Harris is going to run for office. That's different than what you were talking about. We were talking about we know. Okay. We don't know what she's We don't know. Okay. I mean, we don't know if she's going to run. But but we know that, you know, President Biden is the, the party standard bearer. So, I mean, when we say that we – okay, okay. Kavina, next time, know who yeah. you want to vote against. All right. Oh, yeah, I, 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 right. I already figured that out. Yeah, I, yeah, you do. I, oh, I, oh, I, think oh, it should be a, I think it should be a Gavin Newsom from California, or it should be a, uh, is it Chris Murray from the senator from Kentucky. That's, that's, that's the two I, I would be looking for to support. Neither one of them is black. Interesting about uh, Gavin Newsom. He, he did something this past week that I thought that he's, you know, he really, in a cool way, threw his hat into the race. Let's get out back out to the phone lines, three four seven eight five zero one six. All right, I'll see you guys later. All right, man, take care. All right, uh, welcome into the serious side. Who am I speaking with? 
This is the real deal. You're from the J King Network. Good morning, everyone. Hey, what is going on? How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I I just wanted to, I I guess, um, devil advocate this last conversation. Um, okay. You know, being that my biological mother was white and my father black, mm. I take exception to the idea of people not being black enough if their mate is not black. Um, mm. and, you know, whether whether it's white or Asian or however, I still consider myself to be black. The only family family that I grew up with is my father's family. And, right. you know, I only just contact again with my siblings who are all white mm-hmm. right. um, in 2004 when my daughter found them. But right. um, I, this is, you know, and, and, and also, you know, I take exception to, to saying the black race and the white race because there's only one race, which is the human race. The others are ethnicities, and it's all a um, social construct. It's not real. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, it's just like the conversation that's been going on on the show, you know, about, uh, what is it, For the Culture, you know, the For the Culture movies to try to educate yeah. you. Uh, Jay and myself as well because I didn't watch those black exploitation films back in the day and you know I haven't right. seen Buck and the Preach and the Mac and Superfly and all most of the movies of that genre I have not seen so but yet, uh, other, but I don't consider myself to be any less black than any other black person and I don't let me ask you something Obama real any less black let me ask- African American he's a true African American because he's He's both African and American. Okay, let me ask you this though, because maybe let me let me see. Can I throw this on it? Let me let me get your your thoughts on this. Okay, so you know they you know, right. You know, if a person is married, if a black and white person gets married, they're gonna have a black baby. It's just you know that's just the way that's going to work. I mean, right. it's yeah, but that's okay. Right. I get that. All right, but but let me ask you, and I think the bigger picture here is. Let's use the O.J. Simpson scenario because O.J., mm-hmm. you know, stories were that O.J. snubbed his nose at uh, black folks. You know, he would, you know, he would hang out with the white people, marry them a white wife. Then all of a sudden, you right. want to come home to your people after you get in trouble. And so I think that's where, that's the tone, I think, of it is, you know, like, for example, when Katanji, uh Brown was going through her Senate confirmations, and, you know, Cory Booker made a passionate uh, statement, and I was like, man, yes. He's like, I, you know, I embrace you, my sister, my this, my that. And I'm not saying Katanji Brown doesn't have that African-American, you know, she hangs with her, her sisters and all this other stuff, but it was like in the moment of controversy, you go marry a white person, but the white folks are the ones on the on the panel that's just lighting you up. And it's the African-American people that are bringing you back home. And I think what, you know, our listener Kaylin is, is asking or maybe suggesting is we shouldn't right. be too quick to embrace those who don't embrace us until controversy happens. Does that make sense or no? It it does, but let me but let, let me um, point, point another few things out. Now, first of all, it's funny that you say Cory Booker because – you know, he, he also has the same uh, culture as myself. Right. I think one of his parents is white as well. Um, but um, Katanji Brown Jackson, when her name came up for uh, the next Supreme Court justice, there yeah. was a whole bunch of conversation about her hair. Do we all right. remember that? Yeah. So she represents 
she represents blackness. I didn't, up until today, when y'all mentioned about her having a black a white husband, I wasn't even aware of that. Because she doesn't put herself to me, she doesn't put herself out like that. She doesn't represent right. that way. And and you know, I've got family members. Um, well, well, my grandsons have family member. Their auntie Debbie is married to a white guy. But other than the fact when you go to her house and you see her white husband and when he comes to the different things, when when you see her on the street, she don't represent whiteness. Now Kamala Harris looks more, you know, and, and she and she's another biracial uh, or bi ethnic right. sister that you know, right. she's in, Asian and black. Um, yeah, I I wasn't even aware who she was married to, and she was the district attorney in my city. <laughs> You know, she has office in the in the city and state that I live in, and I didn't right. I didn't know who she was married to. Didn't give a good gosh darn about it because mm-hmm. my concern with politicians and 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 anybody you know that's in the public eye is how they present themselves and what what um what do I want to say what 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 they represent what they fight for what they care about and. Right. Clarence Thomas, we always knew he was an Oreo. You mm-hmm. know, we always knew that. He never cared about anything that would help black people. You know, and, mm-hmm. and just like um, Cornell West, everybody thinks of him as being black, but he doesn't believe in affirmative action. You know, I don't know who he's married to or who he sleeps with, but uh, mm-hmm. he ain't black enough for me. I don't give a damn about mm-hmm. his ugly afro or, excuse me, 25 cents, was it 25 cents in the jar? Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, you, but, yeah, that's okay. Ching, ching, you did it. No problem. <laughs> so go, it's all going to charity. About who somebody's sleeping with when they don't care about the issues that are important right. to me. I don't care how right. they wear their hair if they don't care about yeah. the issues that are important to me. I'm a, I'm a yeah. black woman who raised my kids as, as a single parent and struggled financially all of my adult life, and right. I'm, I'm now a disabled person on Social Security. These are the things I care about. I care about health care. Right. I care about child care. I care about schools, gun safety, mm-hmm. reproductive rights. I don't care too mm-hmm. much about gay rights because I'm not gay, but they deserve to have their rights. But, okay. you know, uh, you know, these are the things I care about. I care about things that have, have a significance to me. Who you sleep with, I don't care about. That's why I even considered uh, Pete Buttigieg when he was running for president, you know? Because okay. ain't none of my mm-hmm. who he's sleeping with. If he going to advance this country, I would have given him my vote. Well, I, I tell you, that, that's, uh, you know what, I, listen, it, as always, it is good to always hear your voice. Appreciate you calling. I hope that you would call in more because I love getting your take on things. and Appreciate you. Thank and you. Uh, just before you go, tell people uh, where they can uh, hear you. Uh, give us some information okay. as far as um, what's going on there. I am one of the queens in the morning, along with uh, Jackie, also known as Rich Sister on this network. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Uh, Stephanie Laker Girl Beard, uh, George, Georgia Brown Sugar, and um, yes. and Zoila Robledo. We are we are the queens in the morning on the J King Network. Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, six thirty a.m. to seven fifty five a.m. Pacific time. It's a little easier for y'all in the Central Time Zone because it's mm-hmm. two hours later, and in the yep. Eastern Time Zone it's three hours later. So it's a little easier for you right. guys. But we are on for an hour and 25 minutes if Jay doesn't cut us off early. 
And Tuesdays are Hot Topic Tuesday. Thursdays are Trivia Thursdays, a lot of fun. And Fridays are really interesting because Fridays are Freaky Friday. All right. There you go. Check them out. Check them out. I will be in Houston Mm -hmm. from July 30th to August 5th. Okay. Well, you need to get in contact with me off the record, and uh, let's see if we can get together and have some (laughs) brunch. You can be with me and Vanessa. Let's get together and uh, have some uh, breakfast or have a brunch. All right. Well, listen, sweetie, thank you for calling in. uh, in Weeks. Okay. When? Well, go ahead. What what you say? August 2nd. Uh, it's my you birthday. Okay, well, there you go. So then, Vanessa, we'll get with you. You, you know how to get in contact with me. Get in contact with me, and we'll, we'll definitely uh, get together and uh, uh, be able to break some bread. Appreciate you calling in. Thank you so much. We love you. Continue to support the show. Um, and that show is funny. I, I listen to it uh, every now and then, and it's they're 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 good. So it's uh, go check them out, folks, if you have the ability. And if you're listening from other platforms, obviously, uh, I think you could just go in and just uh, type in Queens in the Morning on Google, and it will give you a plethora of options. I think uh, for you to listen to that show, and just like with us, you know, even though we uh, our broadcast is originated on Blog Talk Radio, you can hear us on iHeart. You know, in tune. I mean, iTunes, wherever. So just go and find the show and be a you know be a listener and be a supporter. A uh, few more minutes before we step out for our next break. Uh, anybody want to any rebuttals? Wait a minute, you didn't even call me on the whole segment, and that's, that's what I'm saying. No, no. I, what I, see, you just see. Oh, I just said, because, Jerome, before we go to break, anybody you know anybody else? Like anybody, uh, anybody else is what you just said. Well, exactly. It was a it was a continuation from our other topic. She was just responding <laughs> oh. to what we said. Okay, fine, fine. Okay, so if you want to play that yeah. and say it was in both no, no, topics, no. it's fine. I'm wasting I'm wasting time. So here's the thing. So when you yeah. first came into the topic, there's a couple of things that I want to clear up just generally. Okay. Is that all right, all right. you know, just in talking about whether it can be a black person, we're not questioning. I'm not questioning anybody's mm-hmm. blackness, right? And I'll say this right. in the way Minister Farrakhan says this. God okay. gives you the, the ability to learn, I mean to love. If you open right. up your heart to anybody, you can fall in love with them. But the point is, is that mm-hmm. you are splitting allegiances when it really comes down to that if your family is split. But we're not saying because you're biracial or have a white parent, that you're not black. So let me tell you how that works in a DNA kind of way. So black people have what's called EU or eumelanin. White folks have what's called pheomelanin, right? It's a melanocyte. So what happens is that if you have a child with a black person, eumelanin does not allow in pheomelanin. It sifts out pheomelanin. So if that person is black, they are black. Now, this is not me. This is science. You can go look it up if you like. But I can tell you, that nobody's questioning someone's blackness. So we're not, I'm not saying that, hey, you know, Obama wasn't fully black. Yes, he was. Now, his experiences right. may not have put him in the same spot that the rest of us are in, but it, it, mm-hmm. it is not anybody questioning his blackness. I, I just want to say that I think that, you know, I agree with Kavina Man on this. So I think what's going to happen since Kamala is not that popular Right, okay. and she doesn't really do well in communicating. She's been a bundling uh, um, vice president. 
And Joe Biden yeah. hasn't been hasn't done any better as far as his communication. Although he's done right. a hell of a lot of good things as president. He really has. Right. That he yes. should be there. I think that Keisha, I think that somehow Kamala's going to say she doesn't want to run, and Keisha's going to end up being vice president. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. That would be Atlanta's mayor. Said Keisha. You have always said, you have always yeah, said I've Keisha always said that, but I don't know if you know. Yes, I don't know if you know that she joined the administration a few months ago. Well, I, she said, did. I posted it on your page or tagged you or something on it. I, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. when I, when I saw her come in, I think he was her first. He was she was his first choice, I think. And what happened is that the pressure from her running, he kind of pacified the California California constituents by picking Kamala. But I think that Keisha mm. is a, pretty much a better fit, and even in her leadership style, from what I've seen, I think that she demands like a little bit more. Her her the way she projects like her stature. I think is yeah. better than than and I Kamala. like Val, and I like Val Deming, but anybody yeah, but I don't I, like. I, I like her too. She's been in leadership. I like Val. She was a sheriff. She was yeah. She's been yeah, in leadership. Yeah, either she one of them. Either one of them for vice. I just don't know who I think should run for president, and that's why I was called online this morning. But I said you have to have a solution to the problem. Okay, well I ain't really thought about. Uh, president, I, but I have thought about vice president, and I would like to see either one of them as vice. Yeah, I, I am still, I would still support Biden one thousand percent. He's actually right. done a really, really good job. He does. Democrats do a horrible job at marketing, but you know all of this thing about inflation and my I, money and all I that know other stuff. We're we still, we're still living in a pandemic um, economy. And I think that measures, even our gas prices going up, down, is a result of them releasing a million barrels a day out of the strategic reserves. Biden did that. So the reason your gas price is going down is not because things changed on the ground or Russia didn't well, invade say, Ukraine. It's because of that money, uh, because of those barrels that's, that's been taken out of strategic reserves that's been dumped into there, which is starting to bring gas prices down. It's a Biden Biden affected that. Even though he doesn't have any control of the economy, he did affect the gas prices that they're coming down. Because most presidents yeah. won't even release that much oil. I mean, he's nobody has released that much oil ever out of our strategic reserves. But he did it because we can't control, you know, OPEC. We can't control Saudi Arabia, and we cannot control what's going on in Russia. And they want those prices to go up because it helps fuel their war effort mm-hmm. against Ukraine. The more that they can sell yeah. gas for. There you go about that. You're absolutely correct about that. All right, listen, we, we have to uh, step out. So uh, thank you, uh, Caitlin, uh, for uh, just disrupting everything. But like I said, what did my man Joe say? You have just rewritten or uh, rewrote our show. We'll be right back after this, after this short music break. It's the serious side, 347-850-1272. There's a topic that we missed that I definitely want to talk about it, but I'll address it in my final thoughts. Keep it right here. We'll be right back. Online radio at its best. Never felt this way like I am in parallel. 
Welcome back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It is the serious side, which happens every 
every Sunday morning right here on the TGRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. It is 35 minutes after the hour, and it's time to say good morning to you. Good morning to you. You are all in your face spaces with bright, shiny faces. Let's say good morning to my big sis, Vanessa. Good morning, Vanessa May Belly from the Macinelli. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. You good? Mm-hmm, I'm good. Well, Get ready for church. Good. Getting ready for church. Give it up to Jesus. Give it up for Jesus, my main man. The smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree is in the house as well. Good morning, Jerome. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing outstanding. Mr. Elias is off this morning on vacay. Of course, Jackie is not here as well. Uh, also, today, no news, right, Jerome? Because, no uh, news, you know... Uh, but next week, hopefully, we'll get a little bit of news because people right. love the news from Mr. Jerome yes, Spring. I'm on. I, I got bumped last time. I dro- it dropped on me, and I was ju- I was just like I didn't even know I got dropped from the show. So that's why we didn't have news last week. I was ready oh, wow. to do news. Like what happened? And I, my line was like gone. So yeah, that was my fault last wow. week. But we're gonna have news. I didn't opt out. All right, well, next week, folks, hopefully you'll get some of that good news because it is good stuff. want to say what's up to the pastor. I know the pastor's in the house. Convena, man, check in with us. Momo Beezy and the Heezy is in the house. My boy, Ralph Smooth. You know what? We had a conversation about that dude yesterday. We were talking about him, and look who shows up. Dia, thanks for calling in. Thank you for giving us that perspective of a biracial child. It's always good to... Uh, hear from other people. It's a good thing, I think. And uh, so, great conversation. Caitlin, hopefully you are listening this morning. And uh, mission accomplished. We talked about exactly what you wanted us to talk about. Let's spend a few minutes on this last topic uh, before we uh, get out of here. Online radio at its best. Tim, with Trump banned from Twitter, we don't have the hourly insight into his psyche that uh, we had when he was president. But if he's calling a witness, he's watching, and he's worried, right? Uh, He's desperately worried because Donald Trump is an ignorant man. He is not sophisticated about many things, but he is a lifelong student of celebrity, the power of media, uh, the power of performance art, and the power of TV. And the January 6th hearings are the most effectively staged congressional hearings in our modern history. And they've been uh, pointed, uh, sharp, informative, well-staged, and very, very damaging to Donald Trump. And All right, so if you've been paying attention and it looks like a lot of Americans have, the January 6th co- uh, committee will be wrapping up its investigation next week, formally in prime time. Uh, you know, if you've been listening to this show, which most of you have, every now and then I ask this question, and so I'm going to ask the question again. Vanessa, you first. Do you think Donald Trump will be criminally charged and possibly spend time in jail. So I'm tracking this. These answers have fluctuated over the years, so year and a half or so when, when I first asked the question. But let me ask you again. What do you think, Vanessa? I think they're going to try to charge him with something to keep him from running. But no, Donald Trump is not going to spend not one single solitary day in jail. I said that last week or whenever it was you asked, I'm going to say it now. He ain't going to jail. 
Okay. All right, all right, Jerome. Same question to you. Do you think he will be criminally charged, and do you think he will spend some time in Sing Sing? I think he will be charged. I don't know if I think he's going to get time. People don't like to sentence rich people to jail. So all we all he would have to ask was for um, a jury trial that'll work for him, or a bench mm-hmm. trial. And then he's going to appeal it up to the Supreme Court, and those fools are not going to uphold any conviction that that man has. Well, let me ask you something. Now, is that true? Because, because remember, Jerome, now, you know, some of the juiciest stuff that have come from this committee was the fact that, first of all, all these people that are testifying are Trumpsters. So they can't come back and say it's, you know, Antifa or Democrats are trying to get me. Everyone who is putting him on blast are people that he appointed. And one of the exchanges that, quote, unquote, happened in the White House was when uh, Sidney Powell, she comes in and talks about election fraud, and one of Trump's appointed attorneys said, are you kidding me? Where? All of our judges have said this is baloney, people that we put on the bench. So do you not think that? You know, because they are associated with Trump, there's some truth to this, right? Because all the judges, what, there were like 61, uh, excuse me, 61 uh, lawsuits, and all judges, which the majority of them were Trump, Trump appointed judges, said no. This is a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, I, so you, yeah, I don't know why even you that, hope. There, yeah, I don't know why there's even even any weight on the fact that they were Trump people or Republicans. The point is is that that dude, since the Russian investigation, has broke laws like nobody's business, right? Speak they the have truth. broke laws in Ivanka dealing with China while representing the United States government. You know, that is, there's a law that says that you cannot work inside the government and deal with foreign governments. Ivanka what I'm saying, though, Vanessa, is that they have been breaking the law since they've been there. Now, yeah, the problem have. is that, what, that Garland he is going to figure out a way not to get charged. Because if he announces early that he's going to run, they're going to back off of him with charges. Well, but think I think about he's going to get problem, charged. The problem is the attorney general. They should have charged his butt a yep. long time ago because they saw inside yep. the Mueller's report, they saw everything that's sealed inside the Justice Department when they got there. So they already know. So the people who are institutional institutionalists, like people like Joe Biden and Merrick Garland, that's why Obama appointed him to this, wanted to appoint him to the Supreme Court because he was middle of the road. Obama always was way too safe. He put somebody there who was kind of conservative. But now he made that dude attorney general. He don't want to charge nobody. But believe me, if it was me or you smoking weed on an Amtrak, they would prosecute us. <laughs> right? They'd be like, oh, that's a federal system, and we, our hands are tied. But institutionalists are like, how do we set precedent for prosecuting a former president? And and those guys don't want that on their on their um, their resume. It is sick, but it's the pathology of white folks generally that's the problem when it comes to this. It's almost like, I mean, I think everybody saw this, but it's almost like watching this fight between um, Elon Musk and Trump. Now, 
I don't know if you remember when we did the story that Elon Musk was trying to trying to buy Twitter. I said, yeah. if you want to go back in the archives, I said he is not trying to buy Twitter. Oh no, they you got paperwork done. I'm like, he's not. He's going to back out because you his only that. goal was to change the policy in Twitter to help Donald Trump, right? So once he backed out, Donald Trump says, "What are you doing?" Now these two guys are fighting over something that seems like nothing. What it was is that they wanted to get Donald Trump back on Twitter before the next election. That's what they wanted. Rich people use money for the leverage. So you think, oh, he's going to spend a billion dollars just to change their policy? Yep, he was. He he's going to spend that billion dollars and back out because yep. it makes no yep. sense. But go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I was just agreeing with you. You are absolutely correct. You were, uh, you did say that. You did say there was no intent for him to buy it. There's none. And um, there, was there was some type of ulterior motive that this guy had, and you are absolutely correct about that. But it tells you the length that people go to control the minds of everybody else. Mm. All he wanted to do was change the policies to make Twitter open source again. So if there was black folks saying negative stuff about white people, we get banned. I know someone who got banned off of Facebook for selling jewelry, and they said, oh, we thought you had a copyright infringement. Black people get, like, in Facebook jail very easy. White folks can have AKs <laughs> and, and pointing guns at their mama, <laughs> and they'd be like, well, he didn't say he was going to kill her. We don't know if it was loaded. Like, they will make any kind of excuse not to prosecute white people. <laughs> that is, that's exactly what happened. Jail. <laughs> yeah, Facebook jail is when they ban you or suspend your account <laughs> over something that they claim is either bad language or bad images. But I know black folks that tell me, oh, I got, I just got out of Facebook jail, and here's what I said. <laughs> and it's nothing. It is literally nothing. So, so even in those cases, when you ask would Donald Trump be prosecuted, I am telling you right. that there's layers, layers of what I would like to call embedded pathology that you have to right. get through to convict white folks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You say grab that, that woman by the crotch, white people still voted for him. Oh, I just sure don't did. like Hillary. It right? Like, what do you have to do? <laughs> yeah, what do yeah. you have to do to have people say that you unfit? Yeah. Do you have to let a pandemic it's... go and say it's from China and it ain't going to get here? And let a bunch of people die. Do you have to do that? Do you yeah. have to cut deals with like most of the people in his? I don't know how many people has already gone to jail that actually worked for Trump dealing with the Russian thing, and the yeah. Russian guy got convicted for illegal campaign contributions. But you won't mm. you won't jail the person who solicited those contributions. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That guy already he's in jail now. So I know. I don't know. There's something to be said. It's crazy, man. We live in a crazy world in a crazy space. Get ready. It's oh, going no, we to be don't. a it fun. Crazy. Well, it's crazy it's for very some. Deliberate. Oh, there you go. Bam. Drop the mic. All right, we're going to take an NPR News update. We'll be back with our final thoughts after this. You're listening to the serious side. 347-850-1272. We'll be right back after this. Family members of those killed in the Uvalde mass school shooting will be given an opportunity today to watch the full video from surveillance cameras inside the school. The footage will be shown to the families by a Texas House committee investigating the attack before it's released to the public, alongside the panel's report on the police response to the shooting. 
A Southern Baptist seminary in North Carolina will require its students take sexual abuse training. Bradley George of North Carolina Public Radio reports a move is in response to multiple allegations of abuse in Southern Baptist churches. In a statement, the president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary calls sexual abuse a sin. And he says the seminary is committed to treating survivors with care. Students will learn strategies to prevent and respond to sexual abuse through a mandatory course. An independent investigation released earlier this year found the Southern Baptist Convention mishandled abuse claims and mistreated victims for decades. Leaders of the nation's largest Protestant denomination have also promised to track pastors and church employees who face credible accusations of abuse. For NPR News, I'm Bradley George in Chapel Hill. Police in Charlotte, North Carolina have a man in custody who fired off a gun inside a comedy club last night. No one was injured. The Charlotte Observer newspaper says the man brandished the gun as he entered the club near the city's uptown and demanded that everyone leave before he fired. Police are investigating the gunman's motive. I'm Giles Snyder. This is NPR News. We live in a world, a country, and a moment in time where there's so much important news, and it is constantly changing. That's why Up First is here for you. It's NPR's daily morning news podcast. In about 10 minutes, you can start your day informed. Listen to Up First on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. Online radio at its best. All right, folks, welcome back in. 347-850-1272. It is the serious side, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TGRS Radio Network. Online radio at its best. Of course, Mr. is on vacay today, and you know when he's not on vacay, to keep it fair, we do not read comments from the listening audience. But we do appreciate you being here. Uh, so we can take the extra few minutes we have here, and I want to just slightly top, touch on the topic that uh, we actually had to, uh, you know what they say, um, every now and then you have to kind of follow the flow of the show. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about this morning, well, actually was on the list of things to talk about was the video that was released uh, from the Uvalde uh, killing of all those beautiful kids and those two students, those two teachers. And, you know, I just want to mention it because I definitely want to make sure it gets its full attention from this show. But I just thought that the comps that were there are cowards. I don't think I need to say any more than that until we bring it up as a topic, as a subject matter next week. But those guys were cowards. And it was just so horrible to watch this video play out because according to the video, they got there within three minutes after the shooter entered the building. And for this to happen, oh, my God, I, I, as a parent, I would be sick to my stomach seeing that video and watching those officers as soon as they hear gunfire run like cowards. And let me say this. Listen, I understand police officers are people, too. They want to go home to their families. I get it. That's why I'm not a police officer. That's why most Americans are not police officers. But if you sign up for that type of work, then you need to be able to uphold the standards and the job description that's associated with that particular position. You're not supposed to run from gunfire. You're supposed to run towards it. So I am just, I am just devastated by, by what I saw. So that being said, I want to say thank you to my big sis, Miss Vanessa Mae Bell. She's given the Lord his glory. Appreciate you. See you next week. 
me and Jerome here will close everything out. So, Jerome, man, give me your final thoughts. If you want to comment on the video, you can. If not, give me your final thoughts on today's show or whatever's on your mind. Well, while I, I didn't see the video, so I'm not um, I'm not ignoring that if, uh, if um, anybody thinks that. But one of the things that I, I wanted to um, kind of cover today, since, I'm, since we're not going to have news right after, and I'll talk about it more on the news, is that um, when I spoke about Elon Musk just a second ago, it reminded me of this clip that I saw of Elon Musk that was saying that, you know, we are um, need to have more children. Like, we need to populate more. I think he has six kids, and yeah. so he laughed and said, oh, I'm doing my part, right? So when you think about that, the abortion overturn and all of that, the motivation behind that is very different than what I think people kind of understand that it is. So I want to use my final thoughts to talk about this. I did a okay. news story back in June. Oh, I'm sorry. I think it was late January where Pope Francis said, um, called couples selfish for having pets instead of children. But he also said that the West has a demographic winter, meaning that they're not failing to have enough babies and that people are selfish okay. not having babies. Right? Wow. Now, yeah. the reason that he used the word demographic winter, when you use demography, you are actually picking and choosing what demographic you're talking about. The only demographics that having, that's having a negative birth rate is white people. So what's going on that everybody is slipping past us is that they want more white babies, right? No other demographic is really having this problem. So I'll give you the numbers from the CDC for white folks. This is some quick math from the CDC. White people's birth in, I think it was 2020, was 1,843,432 births. White folks' deaths were 2,491,026. There are more oh, wow. people dying than being born in the white community, and everybody else is ringing an alarm. That's where the fight about abortion is coming. That is where Elon Musk is saying we need more, uh, we need more people. Our society is going to go as we know it. Those guys are cold. They're, they're saying this in code, but they're saying that they more, want more white folks. But at the same wow. time that they're saying that there's more white folks, in the news story that I was going to do today, mm-hmm. the world's population will have 8 billion on November 15th, is what their estimate says. Wow. And so 8 billion in just over the next four months, we're going to hit 8, 8.5 billion by um, 2030 and 10.4 billion by um, 2100. What they're just saying is, we're not having no problems with population, right? Not across the board, yeah. because at the same right. time, those guys, we have too many people on the planet. Mm-hmm. They're speaking in code. So when people think yeah. that we're talking about race, we can actually hear you talking about race, too, even though you're not using the word race or black or white mm-hmm. people. Demographic winter is what the Pope used. All right. Wow. I'm sorry. I wow. thought I'd take up Vanessa's time while I was at it. 
Well, no, that's good, man. I appreciate it. You know, hey, listen, you are a veteran of uh, radio and media. You know exactly what we're up against. Thank you so much for that, man. That was good stuff. As always, man, you put together the pieces of the puzzle. We appreciate you. Now, I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that uh, we heard from Johnny D. Now, everyone knows, at least we made the announcement, that he will be back in the fall. A lot of you all are like, we can't wait. Uh, His voice is uh, missing on the show, and so he will definitely be back in the mix uh, in, in the fall and uh, around November, November, December time frame. So we can't wait for his triumphal return. However, he did uh, send me some comments he wanted me to share with the public this morning. So I'm going to go ahead and read one. He says, uh, he says, tell the world that speaks so critically about President Biden meeting with the crown prince. Tell them they are hypocrites and fools. This nation the people allowed a former sitting president to commit treason, attempt a coup against a sovereign nation, and allow nearly one million Americans to die of COVID under his watch as a result of his denial of science. Uh, weakened our nation's defense by empowering China, Russia, North Korea, and white nationalists, and yet they still embrace and support this retrobate, Donald Trump and his regime. The shamelessness have no room to criticize. To create, a, to create a platform of hate, you first tell the lie, then direct blame and play on people's fears. Uh, my goodness, this is my family. The, the, he says, my family, the freedom of voice is what you have on this broadcast. Don't ever take that for granted. My man, Johnny D. You started the show with Dexter. Became a common, became a contributor, and now uh, he'll be back here real soon. My final thoughts are going to be real simple. You know, I, I talked about this last week a little bit, but I'm going to reemphasize it today. You know, this nation's need for guns is something that I can't understand, and I would never understand. I heard a story the other day about a young baby being shot and killed while she was in her bed reading a book. She was five years old. That's a life that's gone. It's snuffed out. She, we would never see what she will become. And for us to continue to think that this is a normal way of life, what is wrong with us as a nation? I just saw a stat where they said 168 or 158 Republicans voted against, you know, uh, gun right bills. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. We will not see change until they start dying. And I'm not, listen, I'm not advocating that by no stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying what's, what's, what's human nature. The bottom line is when it starts coming to your community, you start paying attention to it more. When it's arm lengths away from you, it's okay. But when it starts happening to you, then you will change the way you do business. Think about the whole thing with Dick Cheney. I think someone brought it up last week on the show. You know, he was all against gay rights and all that stuff until he found out that when his kids were, were uh, you know, a lesbian or a bisexual or whatever, and now all of a sudden he's a, he's a supporter of it. When it comes home, then God dang it, you start paying attention. And this situation is not going to be any different. When these people start dying, when their kids start dying, then you're going to see some significant change. I promise you that. And on that note, Jerome, if it's Sunday, and we're talking serious stuff, what time is it, my friend? Time for the serious side of the J. Ryle show. 
my man. All right, folks, it's been a pleasure to serve you. Until we see you again, be blessed and be safe. So for Vanessa, for my main man, Jerome, and for Mr. Elias, I'm Jay Ryle saying have a wonderful work week. And remember, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side of the Jay Ryle Show. God bless. Be safe. We'll see you next week.